Welcome to the You Got This podcast, featuring authors Donnie and Sandy. We invite you to settle in, open your hearts and minds, and be inspired to trust and present hope in the Lord. When you allow Him to lead the way, you got this. Hey guys, welcome back here to another awesome episode of You Got This with your host Sandy and Donnie from Your New Life Ministry. This is Season 3, Episode 4. Rise up, people, pleasing and believe and be sincere. Who are you trying to uh who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please God or are you trying to please the earth? We're going to talk about several different bullet points today. One being the seed. Which one are you? And topic number two, we're going to talk about proof of God and Jesus. There is proof out there. You just don't know where to look. Proof is everywhere. And topic three is the reality check. I mean, what what is reality? What what are we trying to pull here in this world? Uh, like I said, that goes back to who are you trying to please? God, or are you trying to please mankind? So we're going to continue. we're going to start off with this uh, discussion: the seed. Which one are you? And we're taking these excerpts from John thirteen, verses one through seventeen and thirty four through thirty five. Yes. So um, I invite you to read uh, John thirteen. Uh, we're not going to read it for time uh, purposes, but, you know, it talks about uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He came to be a servant. And for our opening verse, uh, we're uh, going to read John 12, verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogues and pay attention to that. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Does that hit home? Does that hit home with you? When you do that, when you're choosing, oh man, I'm not going to be a part of the in crowd if I, if, if, I don't go, you know, around with that. If I don't get together and, you know, and I'm, I'm not putting these people down. And if I talk to this person because she's not dressed the way I'm dressed, you know, I'm going to be put out of the in crowd. You know, the way society thinks. When you do that, when you shun people because maybe they worship in a different way or maybe they're dressed in a different way maybe they don't look like you and maybe they're different colors maybe they don't come from the same country you do or talk the way you do when you're shunning people like that because everybody else might say something against you or somebody moves into your neighborhood and the rest of the people in the neighborhood because you're part of a neighborhood you know group uh, and these people just don't look the way you look. If you talk to them, you know, what is everybody going to think about you? Okay, people, stop that. Who are you out to please? God. Or you're out to please mankind. When you do this, you're making God so minute, and you're raising up these people to be bigger and more important than God. Read. I invite you to go back and reread. If you've read it again, read, read it. John 13, and you can read the whole thing, but it talks about his servanthood. Um, I invite you to go back and read that. What seed are you? We're going to read about the parable of the seed and the sower. Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9. 
and we're going to start. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow a seed. And as he went sowing, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Some fell on the rocky ground where it did not have the soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun rose, the seedlings were scorched, and, and, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the seedlings. Still others fell along the good soil and produced a crop a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Was your faith sincere? When you made that profession of faith, was it sincere? Do you mean it? Or do you treat God like a little rag doll that you put up on the shelf and take them off when you want to go to church on Sunday so you can, as my pastor says, get your check mark. And then when you get done, you put them back on the shelf and you go back to acting the way you were. Was it sincere? What seat are you? Yeah, what's it are you honestly you're not kidding nobody but yourself and your family members around you. You're not kidding God. He knows what's in your heart already. He knows you put him up on the uh, on the shelf during the week and bring him down on weekends just to get full points from church or uh, perfect attendance record or something like that. I don't even know what the point is going if you're not gonna actually um do anything about it when you do go or show what you've learned about God during the week and just try try out his lessons that plan that he already has bestowed upon you. Thing is, you're the man this world is gonna hate you no matter what. It already does hate you no matter what. The only person that really loves you is God and your family. But the world itself can care less of who you are. They're not interested in anything you have to say unless you have something you gotta give them. You know, as uh before it's it's just a, a point of the lottery. Nobody knows who you are, nobody cares who you are once you got something of value, like maybe money or something like that, then everybody in the woodwork is calling you, asking you, oh, man, I'm your long-lost relative. Oh, man, I'm your best friend. They didn't give a damn about you before you got that. They didn't care who you are. They didn't spit on you and talk to you. The only person who's been around you every step of the way is your family and God. And most of the time, you can't even trust your family. But God has always been there. So what seed are you? Is your faith sincere? You know, it's not easy. I mean, we all we all get angry. We all get set, upset. We all get hurt. But your friend is a friend who will stick with you even through those times. And you're a friend if you stick by your, you know, friends and your family members in the good times and bad when, they, when they're there for you and when they're not, when they're nice and when they make you angry. Because we're all human. We do the same thing. We're going to have times when we say something we don't mean and we have to go back and apologize. But we're talking about you are willingly hurting people. You're willingly isolating people. You're friends with them when the in crowd is not around you. But when they are, you shun them as if you didn't even know them. Okay. Where would we all be if Jesus did that to us? Where would we all be? So are you putting God up on a shelf and taking him down only when it suits you? Or was your faith really sincere? What seat are you? Was 
are you the seed that fell along the path? The seed that, oh, you heard it, but you didn't receive it because you really don't care. Were you the seed that fell along the rocky path? You heard it. And these seeds are those who hear and they receive it with excitement. But there's no root. So the minute things happen, you simply fall away when trouble hits. You know, you have no root, no stay in power. Oh, then there's the seeds that fell along the thorns. Then when the trials hit, issues happen, cause you to cave, you're not strong enough to endure. Maybe these are those who do not put any effort in to be fed spiritually. See, to be fed spiritually, you're reading the word of God. You're talking to God. You're praying to him. See, praying isn't just going to him with our laundry list, our 911 list of God I needs. No, but it's also talking to him and it's listening. It's a two-way street. Yes, God will talk to you. He talks to you through your word. He talks to you in your heart and your spirit and you just know it's him because it lines up with the word of God and lines up with maybe some of the promises he's made you and it's got a peace behind it. And it's not condemning. God will convict you to tell you what you're doing wrong because they hinder you. But Satan condemns. Condemns is something that makes you feel guilty about yourself or ashamed. Or are you the seed that fell along the good soil? You hear, you receive, you're sincere, you're devoted, you read the word, you talk to God, you pray to him, you go to church and you worship him. You walk it out. It's important to you. That's the difference between the seeds. So which category do you fit into? Because God wants us to be his family, but he wants us to be sincere. What seed are you? Were you sincere when you received him? Because serving God is walking out our faith in its loving people. It's being human. It's being humble. It's being willing to, to serve. It's being willing to love regardless and forgive regardless. And Donnie is going to read verses 34 and 35 from John. And um, when you get a chance, read the rest of it. But he set us the example. All right, John 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have loved one, love for one, love another. See, there you go. No, There's no greater power than the power of loving your neighbor. There's no greater commandment than loving your neighbor. That just proves that. Which brings us to our next topic. Topic number two, proof of God in Jesus. There is proof of God in Jesus all around us. We just have to look for it. You have to know where to look. Which brings me to my point. The artifacts of tell a burial clothing and Jewish customs are folded. Napkin he attends to return. So yes, I'm going to explain a little bit about that. That Jewish custom means that when um, people were coming to dinner and if they folded their napkin up on the table, that means they were going to return. You know, and, and, and they they loved they wanted to come back. Okay. Uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, his burial cloth, right? It was folded. It was folded up. It means he is coming back. 
So there are several um, relics and, and that have been found associated with Jesus. And some of them include, one of them includes the infamous Shroud of Turin. You know, this shows the burial cloth that was over him, and it shows his face. It's got, you know, it's it shows his face, and it has, you know, um, like a symbol that's been burnt into the cloth of, you know, of his face. And it shows, you know, that he was there. Because it, as you know, you can see in it that there was a crown on his head. Oh, and then there's the earthquake. Remember the earthquake? And remember how it talks about it in the book of Matthew? Uh, it talks about the quake that happened when he died on the cross. Um, there was someone who put on um, some documentaries, a couple of documentaries, and, um, and called, his name was Frederick Larson. And he examined some of this, and Don is going to read a little bit about his findings. Exactly. You can find these documentaries on uh, different streaming apps and different streaming platforms. But it's all out there. You just got to want to look for them. But we'll continue on with this. So the, quake, uh, the Christ quake shows Larson's filming, crew filming, and the ground once covered by the Dead Sea and the geological ripples of the a gigantic earthquake. That split rocks at every at the very hour of Jesus' death. It all proves to Larson who God is, the Lord of heaven and earth. The two documentaries show that the star of Bethlehem was real, that the heavens and the quake at the cross was real. He is the Lord of the heaven and the earth, and he chose to leave evidence for us to see those things are true. Larson continues. And like I said, you can find these on all kinds of streaming apps. I, there's too many of them to, number, to name right now, but just Google it, and you can find it everywhere. The Gospel of Matthew discusses both the star and the quake. You, we all read the Gospel of Matthew, and it, and it does discuss, discuss all this. Larson's asserted, and for both the star of Bethlehem and the quake at the cross, the facts we find, hard scientific facts we find, are consistent with the record in Matthew. Frederick A. Rick Larson did the documentary and a star of Bethlehem. The DNA, in the same way DNA is made of four chemicals abbreviated as letters A, T, G, and C, much like the ones and zeros, the least, these letters are arranged in the human cell like this. C, G, T, G, T, G, A, C, T, C, G, C, T, C C T A G A T and so on. The order in which they are arranged instructs the cell's actions, which we all know about DNA and how it's constructed in scientific labs and things like that. It, it's a same uh, uh, mathematical equation that the computer uses to arrange all this. What is amazing is that within the tiny spaces in every cell in your body, this code is three billion letters long. This is too overwhelming for our minds to grasp how it pertains to each person. No man can create a person this way. It is all done by God's infinite design. To grasp the amount of DNA information in one cell, a live reading of that code at a rate of three letters per second would take 31 years, even if reading continued day and night. 
when we look at a DNA structure within the human body, we cannot escape the presence of intelligent, incredibly intelligent design, which is God. So there is proof out there, and science is even proving it. You know, one channel you can look on all the time that's constantly um, putting documentaries and stuff like this is the History Channel. Um, there is scientific proof out there. You you just have to look for it. And it's proving. If you look at mankind, you know, our DNA is so intricate, like Donnie was just reading. And it's us. It pertains to us personally. But then it can tell us who we're a family of, who's our family. That is just amazing. And how we start as a little seed. Doesn't the Bible say that in Genesis? For as long as the earth shall endure, there shall be seed time and harvest. And then we start so little and we grow up to be an adult. I mean, and we're all so unique and we all have so many differences. And people are, there's constantly babies being born and everyone is different. No one looks alike unless you're twins. That is just amazing to me in itself. No one, no one can do this except God. And then our bodies are put together in just the right way, our organs in just the right way. And they grow as we grow from a baby into an adult. And even the earth, the planet, and the universe, on their axis, they have to be just in the right space, just in the right spot on the axis that they're in. Or they couldn't stand there. They couldn't stay there. You can find God in every part of nature. Just got to look. There is no accident in that. And the Big Bang Theory goes straight out the window when you think to have the Big Bang. There's got to be something there to start with, to have the Big Bang. Come on, people. Doesn't take a brain scientist to figure that out. There had to be something there to start with. Who created the start? Everything has to have a creator. Everyone just about has a cell phone these days. Take that cell phone and look at it you have right now. Guess what? It didn't just poof and pop into your hand. No, it had to have someone make it. So how much more so the human body and our and the earth and the universe? It proves when you look at it, it proves that there is a God. So there is one more topic that we're going to discuss um, in section two, and we're going to do that when we come back. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, break here, people, and play a song we think really pertains to this, uh, this certain, certain discussion today. The Voice of Truth by Casting Crowns. We'll be right back right after this. would 
do to have the kind of faith it takes to climb out of this boat and then under the crashing waves to step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is and he's holding out his hand but the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed the waves they keep on telling me time and time again boy you never win you never win but the voice of truth tells me a different story the voice of truth says do not be afraid and the voice of truth says this is for my glory out of all the voices calling out to me i will choose to
Hey, welcome back, guys. We hope you enjoyed that song by Casting Counts called Voice of Truth. We're going to continue off this discussion now. Uh, fingerprints, how unique they are. No one single person in the world has identical fingerprints as you do. Think about that. No one single person. We have probably billions and billions of people in this entire world, not just this country, but the entire world. And not one of them has a single solitary saying fingerprint. That's why police use fingerprint identification to catch criminals, because they know that one other person has a single fingerprint, just like that person. Think about that. So, Sir Isaac Newton, so I know you know who Sir Isaac Newton is. I'm not, I'm sure all of y'all have heard but in case you haven't, Sir Isaac Newton contributed significantly to the field of science over his lifetime. He invented calculus and provided a clear understanding of optics, but his most significant work had to do with forces and specifically with the development of a universal law of gravitation and his laws of motion. Sir Isaac Newton once said, in the absence of any other proof, the thumb alone would convince me of God's existence. So what about fingerprints? If God designed the human hand, why do we have fingerprints? Do they perform a function? And if not, then why would God have created them? Well, this is some of what's been found. Julian Scheibert and his colleagues at the laboratory, um, can't pronounce this, uh, it's somewhere in Paris, have demonstrated that our fingerprints helps us to feel objects through vibrations. And so this is some of what they found. As you move your fingers, Across surfaces, you trigger vibrations that are picked up by nerves. Some of these nerves, called tachyon capillaries, whatever you pronounce it, I'm sorry, are embedded so refined, I mean, embedded relatively deep, about two mil two millimeters under your skin. Yet our senses with the touch is so refined that we can feel texture differences as small as the width of a single hair. And two micrometers, scientists have wondered how deep embedded these nerves can detect subtle vibrations involved in the perceptions of fine differences in texture. Using robotic fingertips designed to detect tactical information, French scientists discovered that small ridges on a surface of your fingers, fingerprints, amplify these, these vibrations, which helps transmit them to, to the deeply embedded nerves. How much do fingerprints enhance your ability to detect tactical differences? Do you double it, triple it? Scientists have found that the vibrations from the patterns, pattern fingertip were 100 times stronger than vibrations from the smooth, smooth, uh, smooth fingertip. Thanks to fingerprints, our sense of touch is 100 times better than that it would be on the surface of a fingers were smooth. Think about that. God knew that we would need these fingerprints to help us feel things, help us to feel vibrations, help us to do pretty much anything that requires us to use our hands. If we didn't have these, 
we probably won't even be able to sense heat. We probably won't be able to feel that it's something that's sharper enough. We wouldn't know any of that. That right there just proves the power of God's uh, God's love for us and power, uh, what He has done for us and what He He'll continue to do for us if we allow Him to do so. So, after listening to that, what about the fingerprint patterns? They vary from person to person, and as Donnie said, no two people in the world have the same fingerprints. I mean, think about that. Think about that. No two people. And as I said before, babies are being born every day across the world. And yet, we can still say that no two people have the same fingerprint. Only intelligent design, God can come up with that. That no one has your fingerprint. That states you. Police departments, they use this. The FBI use this. Okay. They all use this to identify people who've done something wrong. And that can only be that one person. So even in a court of law, it proves it. So, according to the leading researcher of the study, um, uh, Dias, I cannot pronounce that name. Um, the nice thing is that the pattern doesn't matter. The distinctiveness of fingerprint patterns from one person to the next doesn't seem to have an effect on filtering capabilities. See, science is proving intelligent design. Our third bullet point. Yeah, the third and final bullet point is reality check. Let's figure out something here, people. More than we've already discussed already in this podcast. One, so what seed are you? Were you sincere? This evidence proves his existence. Do you still believe it or you still need more convincing? See, the purpose of all this is to make sure you know and believe that God exists. As we as we say again, I'll read John 13, verses 1 through 17 and 34 to 35. So continuing on with this discussion, this tells about his love and how we are to love one another. This is his greatest commandment. He said in the Bible, his greatest commandment is no one. Uh, it, what is a better love than to put someone, uh, put a life before your own? Do we ever do that? Do we ever put ourselves in harm's way to protect our fellow neighbor? Or we just tell them, like, oh, great, that's, that's on him. That's your problem, not mine. No, there's no greater love than put your uh, life on the line for a neighbor. Look what the police department does, and they're getting trashed every single day. They're putting their lives on the line. They don't know you from anybody, but they're putting their lives on the line to protect your life. Because they know that, they, that person belongs to a family. And if they pass away, the family's going to be in torment because they just lost a loved one. But what about their life? So we just gave you a little bit, and I'm sure if you look online and you do some research, you can find even more evidence than what we discussed here. That Jesus is real, God is real. And if evidence that Jesus came is real, then the Bible is real, and so is heaven and hell. So now that you know all this, 
Are you going to look and examine to see what seed you are? And if you need to change, are you going to make any changes? Does this even mean anything? See, he came to set an example of how we should live loving people. People criticize Christianity all the time. They're telling people how to live. Uh, no, those pe there are some people who do, and that's wrong. Uh, that is a religious and legalistic spirit, and you should cast that out. That is not from God, because even Jesus said, I did not come to bring religion. Okay? He did not come to bring religion. He came to bring love. In fact, he says, if you read in the New Testament, that all the law of the prophets are summed up in this. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, he says to love. And the heck of it is, with all this stuff, when Jesus came to earth, when Jesus was born, before that, God gave us the Ten Commandments. He only gave us ten. And if you read the Bible, the, the Pharisees and whoever else was in charge created two over 240 commandments. They created, I'm sorry, my wife said he created, they created 613 commandments. But anyway, that's beside the point. Pharisees came up with 613 commandments that we were supposed to obey tooth and nail. If we can't follow 10, how can we be expected to follow 613? And the 10 were by far the secret. The easiest. The 10 were the easiest, and we can't all do that. But God knew that we wouldn't be able to follow. That's why he sent Jesus down to die for us. And that's why all the Old Testament stuff in the Bible, which is good at that time, doesn't matter anymore. And I'm not saying you don't read it because that will give you a better understanding of who God is and who Jesus is. But he gave us a new commitment through Jesus. The only thing we had to do is love Jesus and we were good to go. So he came to serve. He didn't come to lord himself over everybody. And this is why I wanted you to read John chapter 13 because it talks about him washing the disciples' feet. That's an example of humility and servanthood. That's not the example of somebody lording over somebody saying, you've got to do this. No. Uh, and he didn't send people to hell either. Let's just get that straight. Because we all have a choice. And the Bible also says that he gives us free will. So uh, if you go to hell, it's your own choice. You send yourself there. That's just, why do we want the evil that's on earth in heaven? That's why there's a difference. That's why we receive him, so we can receive that love. And so when we go to heaven, it's just love there. Why do we want a replica in heaven as what's on earth right now? So love, humility, and servanthood is who he came as. He put us first when he washed their feet and as an example and a symbol through his death and resurrection on the cross. And we're truly receiving him. When we do that, he cleanses us cleanses us of our, of our sins. He cleanses our path. He gives us a new one. The old is gone. The new has come. A clean path, a new start, and a do-over. And it says that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And to continue on what my wife's point was, that uh, he's given us a choice, a free will. Well, it says there in the Bible, right there in black and white, if you deny me, in front of man, I am going to deny you in front of the Father. So why would he want you there if you already denied him in front of the, in front of mankind? 
You know, said to him, like, well, you didn't know me then. Why do you want to know me now? I gave you the opportunity. Now you did. Now you want to come to me? No, he gave you the opportunity to know him in front of mankind. And you denied him, so he's going to deny you on the steps of heaven. Like, well, I don't know that guy. He didn't know, he didn't know me then, so I'm not going to know him now. So repeating back our main verse that we started with in John 12, verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him because they were just scared of them. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. God gives breath and he takes it away. And he gives life and he gives you abundance. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So why would we not want that salvation and eternal home in heaven is free. It's a gift. We don't have to do anything. Other religions, you have to go kill yourself or kill somebody else. But our God died for us, right? He did it for us. He came and he suffered for us so we don't have to. Who would not want that? Who would not want that? Repeating that. So are, do you, was your confession true? Was it sincere? Are you putting him up on a shelf like a little rag now and taking him down whenever you want to? Was your confession sincere? Did you mean it? So in the final final uh, closing here, we're going to tell you, if not, what will you do now that you know more know about more employment? I'm sorry. If not, what will you do now that you know about more the existence of God and Jesus? Does it make a difference or will you blow it off and continue doing the same as you please and hurt others in the process? What is God? Is God real? Is Jesus real? And so is his love. It's his, it, it, his love is real and sincere. The cross proves and the pain he endured for us is your love for him or the sacrifice is superficial. Point of all this is, do you love God enough to confess your sins? That's all he's asking is to confess your sins because everybody is born in sin. Everybody is sin. Pure and simple. There's no such thing as a perfect person or a person born without sin. So in closing, what are you choosing, God, or are you choosing the hell on earth? Are you a people pleaser or are you a God pleaser? God smiles down on you when you love somebody, when you're sincere, when you go out of your way to help somebody. And it doesn't have to be providing a lot of money. It could just be providing help. A hand up when someone's fallen down on the street. Smiling at somebody as you go in through the grocery store and they look like they're kind of down and just saying, hey, you know, I hope you have a blessed day. Just recognize them. Some people are so alone in the world that they feel like they wouldn't, it, they wouldn't matter to anybody if they died. They do matter. And sometimes that smile to somebody that looks like they're down could mean all the difference in the world between them wanting to take their own life and saying, well, you know, there's hope for another day. Maybe I am here for a reason. Do you want to be a people pleaser? Do you want to make people 
feel like total garbage when you're around other people. Oh, but when they're not around and you're their friends, that makes them feel even worse. That, that makes them feel even worse when you do things like that. Are you so afraid of mankind and the government that you will not stand up for your faith even in front of the government? Who are you out to please? Are you making God that small that you're putting mankind, the government, and everything and everybody else before him? What is your choice going to be? What is your choice going to be? All right, in closing here, I think we all know our answers to that. Mine is to follow God. So in closing, always remember, God is real. God is real. So. Let's just pray. Dear Lord, I ask you to please bless everybody around the world and just uh, be with our listeners today. Help them to guide them to where you want them to go. And just be with Sandy and I as we keep on doing our ministry, keep on doing everything to honor you, Lord. And just be with our family and friends around the world. And just hope that they have a long and prosperous life. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. And always remember, you know, you got this when you let God lead the way. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media. And don't forget, we have an awesome experience going on here at New Life Ministries. Our book, my wife's book, Deep Waters Within, is being, uh, being developed into a TV series on Peter Flix Entertainment. And we'll keep you posted through our newsletters. All you have to do is go to our website, yournewlifeministries.org, and sign up for our newsletter. And we'll keep you posted on everything that's going on, including a book that's actually fixing to be released in the next coming months called The Train Ride. And that's going to be an awesome book that you, want, you won't want to miss. It's about one woman's journey from being a total creep, being turned around, and developing her life for God. So check that out. It's called The Train Ride when it's released. And also remember that uh, my wife's book, Deep Waters, I just told you about, was being featured in a pure flicks movie called Santa's Second Watch. So you don't want to miss that. And we'll let you know when uh, it starts getting in production for TV series. So keep on looking out for that, and just find and just register for email, and we'll keep you keep you posted. All right, I'll check talk out you later, guys. And always remember, again, you know you got this when you let God lead the way. I'll catch you later. Goodbye.